0: Welcome to the Tactical Toolbelt Climate Tech Podcast. On this show, we focus on how the real estate industry, the world's single largest emitter of greenhouse gases, can leverage climate tech to become part of the sustainability solution. I'm your host, Greg Smithies. I'm a partner on the Climate Tech team at Fifth Wall, the largest and most active venture investor in technology for the real estate industry. In this podcast, we'll be joined by people on the front lines the people inventing, investing in, and deploying the climate tech will need to make our homes, offices, and communities more efficient, more sustainable, and ever closer to carbon zero. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Tactical Tool Belt Climate Tech. Um, and today we have the fantastic opportunity to talk to Brittany Harris, who is the co-founder and CEO of Flow. Uh, Brittany, thank you very much for spending the time with us.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me.
0: So um, before we hop into what it is that, that Qualisflow does, um, I'm always very fascinated by people's sort of founding stories, how they uh, decided to get out of bed one day and start a company. Uh, so yeah, we'd love, love to hear a little bit about how you got here.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, um, to be honest, Jade and I, my co-founder, we spend a lot of time in the industry. We're both from construction. Um, so my background and training is as a civil engineer. I used to work very much on the design side for some of the big international consultants, um, including Bureau Havold, Arup, and uh, Mott McDonald. And then back in 2016, I decided to go volunteer for an organisation called World Merit, which was actually in New York. Um, and on that programme, I met Jade, my co-founder, and she is also a slightly wacky, passionate Brit, um, and also from the construction industry, but she was out on site working with Skanska on two of the big major infrastructure projects here in the UK, um, Crossrail and HS2. And we kind of bonded over this love-hate relationship we have with construction. Um, we think it's this, you know, amazing industry that, you know, it literally builds the world around us but it also sucks in so many ways. It's so unproductive, it's so unsustainable. Um, And as two really enthusiastic um, young engineers really wanted to tackle the sustainability of our industry, um, after a few years of just sort of being friends and probably bitching a bit about it, we decided that it was about time that we took it on ourselves. And so we set out to try and explore how, you know, technology and the technology that we use in our day-to-day lives could really help our industry be more productive and more sustainable. And that's really how we stumbled upon this idea of actually uh, tackling that through a a startup, a tech company.
0: Fantastic. And I think that that's probably a perfect segue then. There was clearly a a large uh, problem here that you were looking to solve that, that you were quite passionate about. So maybe run us through what is the actual problem?
1: yeah, sure. So I'm sure it I'm sure it won't surprise your listeners that you know the construction industry consumes around forty percent of the world's raw resources, and it also generates around forty percent of all carbon emissions. And um, what I think is super terrifying is that actually thirteen percent of all those materials that go onto a construction site go direct to waste without actually having been used. And our inability to track and manage materials during the construction process, not only means that we're generating obscene amounts of waste, we are spending ridiculous amounts of money on stuff that isn't adding value, but it's also started to kill people. So here in the UK, we had a disaster called the Grenfell disaster where a residential tower block burnt down. And the review that came off the back of that, the the Hackett review, basically said that this was just really, really poor information management. You know, the, the fire regulations that exist should do the job, but people haven't actually been applying them and tracking them very well. And one of the key things was that, you know, the wrong materials in the building, it wasn't being maintained and there was no proper documentation behind that. And so we've sort of come to the, the brink with our industry of, you know, messing up the planet, really wasting our own time and now starting to kill ourselves. Um, and so we really wanted to take that um, take that on head on. And so we started to dig into you know, why, why this was happening. Why did the industry find it so hard to like, track the materials it's using? You look at big tech companies like Amazon and they have these amazing, really quite sort of simple, but also sophisticated um, tracking systems for their packages. Why does construction find it so hard? Um, and it was after sort of digging into that that we realised there was a, a massive opportunity here to address multiple problems with one solution.
0: Yeah, I'd I'd like to to maybe dig into one of those stats there. So basically, if if the construction world is is using forty percent of all the, the world's raw materials, that number doesn't shock me, right? Because of the amount of concrete and steel, right? It's 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 just tons and and lumber. Um, but what you're also saying is that thirteen percent of those. So let's just say on net, probably about five percent of the total raw materials in the world, right? Thirteen percent of forty percent is coming onto a construction site and then goes straight through the construction site to the landfill without actually ever getting used?
1: Yeah, so this is a statistic that um, UKGBC published a few years ago after a big study that they'd done, and that's the UK Green Building Council. And the, the sort of problem that sits behind that is that although we are trying to order the right stuff, our industry and the sort of, the very fragmented supply chain that reservices it comes across multiple issues. So firstly, a lot of suppliers and subcontractors are over-ordering because they want to have the right stuff on site to be able to deliver the works because programme is paramount and, you know, cost sometimes falls behind that. The other side of it is that often... Although they might order the right stuff, the wrong stuff is delivered. And we see this a lot where projects are trying to achieve specific, um, you know, sustainability targets or specific quality standards. So, for example, FSC certified timber has become a really big target here in the UK. Um, And so suppliers are trying to get FSC certified timber projects onto site and they often can't get hold of it or, you know, they just they don't have the right thing in stock at the time. So they'll subsidize it out for something that is uncertified. But the contractor will reject that. And so then you just have this timber that's left on site and it'll just go straight to the skip without actually being used because there isn't a sensible or a cost effective way of returning that into the supply chain. And then sort of beyond that, what we're seeing, particularly in the residential market, is that when they're over-ordering the products are being the products are being stored on site for long periods of time they're then getting damaged so either they're just getting knocked around and getting damaged that way or you know they're exposed to the elements and so you end up with a lot of that material actually being wasted directly because we're not we're not managing the process of having them delivered on time the right stuff and then getting them into the building in the way they should be. So the sort of combination of all those different um, aspects means that we are massively over-consuming um, and also massively um, over-generating waste into the system.
0: Yeah, a- absolutely. So I 100% agree with with all of these problems and the size of them. So um, you know, uh, you might not know, but in my in my background, I was head of head of finance at the Boring Company. Right, we were digging and building tunnels, and. Um, yeah, so part of that obviously was running procurement. And, you know, you get these bills of lading come coming in that are badly Xeroxed. Um, you know, you can barely read them. It's not entirely sure if the correct things are on the pallet versus that thing. You're moving too quickly for someone to actually go and check every single item on that pallet when it's dropped off. Um and then we have some hilarious situations where it's like, okay, well, clearly the wrong thing was delivered. We do not have time to get this sent back to the supplier, get them to resend something. Our first tunnel project happened to be next door to a Lowe's, which here in the U.S. is kind of like a Home Depot. It's um, you know a big builder's sort of supply chain, uh, but you know for for commercial and not not like big commercial contractors. We're talking people who redo their you know their their kitchens and bathrooms. Um, when we got incorrect things delivered, very often, the fastest, most expedient way was just, as you said, to throw that thing away and then go across the street to the lows and at some ex- exorbitant expense buy whatever it was that we actually needed. Um, so I'm 100% familiar with how nuts this problem is.
1: It's mad. We see it so much here. And it's becoming more public as well. So I was on LinkedIn the other day and someone had posted a photograph of two massive sheets of um, like... I don't remember, it was about 30 mil uh, 40 mil foam insulation and each of these sheets are about 50 pounds they're really expensive pieces of kit um and yeah, they were just in the skip, completely fresh, brand new, hadn't even been used. And this guy had photographed it and put it on LinkedIn. He was like, what is our industry doing? This is a, something that I've just bought for my own home, like personal domestic development. I've spent ridiculous amounts of money on this um, insulation and this construction site is just putting it in the skip brand new. Like, how how is this allowed? How is our industry You know, not looking at more circular ways or just more like efficient ways of managing the materials we consume. Um, And it's just, it's definitely becoming more in the public space. People are starting to call our industry out on it, both, you know, in the very sort of public consumer space, but also from the clients. Um, And this is the biggest shift that we've seen over the last 12 months is that developers, particularly here in the UK, but also internationally, are starting to say, you know, ESG is a big topic for us. We want more transparency, more accountability, and we want to know that we're not completely screwing the planet while we are trying to deliver this infrastructure for tomorrow.
0: Yep, absolutely. Okay, so I think maybe we buried the lead a little bit uh, long enough. So uh, this is clearly a massive problem. How do we actually solve it?
1: Yeah, so when Jade and I started unpicking this, we were, we chatted to sort of over a hundred different industry professionals and we said, guys, why is this so hard? And they're like, well, as you said earlier, Greg, like they just don't have time to go and fix a problem. They don't have time to understand why there's an issue there. They don't have time to audit quite often because they're spending all their time manually trying to just capture data on pieces of paper type it into spreadsheets. And then by the time that that information is actually available in a form that they can use it, it's too late. The material's already been installed in the product project, or it's already been taken off as waste somewhere else. So they can't actually act on that information. And so the you know the exceptional professionals that we do have are actually just being used as data monkeys or sort of admin personnel and not really being able to act on that information. So what Qflow does is it automates all the really boring painful bits of that process so we automate the digitization of those paper delivery notes so you get an accurate documentation of what's actually come onto the project so regardless of whether they've ordered the right stuff if the wrong stuff has been delivered that information is captured as it comes through the gate of the construction site we then audit it and say right does this meet the project's requirements is it the right type of timber is it the right type of block work does this meet the project specifications if it doesn't, it then notifies the engineering team and says, look, you've had a delivery, it's not quite what you expected. This is the supplier, this is the trade, You know, this is where you can actually go and take some action and make sure that's corrected. And then finally, this bit that the industry is just not able to do right now is actually use that information to look at the project holistically and say, where are the opportunities to improve here? So we run analysis on top of this sort of very big data set that we're capturing across multiple construction sites and say, okay, which are the suppliers that are highest risk? They're the ones who constantly deliver the wrong stuff, even when the right stuff is ordered. Um, These are the guys who are potentially not completing their paperwork. So particularly around waste management, we also look at all the waste going off site as well as the materials coming on. Here in the UK, we have really strict duty of care regulation. So they have to document where the waste has come from, where it's going, what type of waste it is, who's carrying it, what their licenses are. If they're missing any of that information, they are legally um, responsible for how that waste is handled. And if you get caught out, absolutely huge fines. And so Qflow is able to identify which of those carriers and those waste streams are actually posing the greatest risk to the project. So by taking that admin burden, off the engineering teams by automating it using some machine learning and a bit of data analytics. Um, they're actually able to take that information and use it proactively to improve not only productivity on site, but also reduce risk and reduce cost as they go through with the sort of long-term outcome of actually being that they're more sustainable as a project as well.
0: Yep. And um, what I would say is this is all good, but I do have sort of a saying here in the software world, right? Garbage in, garbage out. Um, Maybe where where the rubber meets the road, um, can you talk about what are some of the actual real-world impacts that your customers are seeing in terms of, say, uh, reduced wastage or or lower costs from suppliers or or things like that? Um, Because the skeptic in me says, this all sounds fantastic, right? But do you actually deliver?
1: Yeah, sure. So for our customers at the moment, actually, we've just had a project come back with their internal business case, which is great. So they've seen an 80% reduction in admin for their site team. So they've increased their productivity by 80% in terms of that. That's purely their waste reporting. um, And that was causing them a huge problem. It was a massive risk for the site. One of the other clients that we're working with, they're using these um, digitized goods received notes to verify invoices. So as you were saying earlier, checking that you've actually been charged for what's been delivered, not just what they were meant to be doing. Um, And they've seen a 271% increase in productivity within that team. So they've actually been able to um, reallocate some of the resource from those projects to more effective and more value-add activities, which is really important. So those are just like... The immediate sort of admin time savings from using something like this on top of that as you said with the data insights where have they been actually been saving waste and and carbon so we release monthly reports for each project that will pull out one key insight so keeping it really simple and really clean for the industry so two weeks ago it was a waste analyzer we looked at where they're distributing their waste and where there are opportunities to reduce the carbon emissions associated with that waste management so for one project, if they switch three of their waste facilities to three nearby that they're already using, so just moving where they're taking that waste, they can eliminate 60,000 tonnes of carbon a year. This is a big project, but that's a huge impact, again, on carbon emissions that they actually don't need to be generating. Um Another one that we did this week was looking at the supply chain analytics and flagging which suppliers are posing a higher risk to the project. And so the engineers that we send that information to are able to take that report, go back to their supply chain and say, look, it's been highlighted to us that you are not Um, producing the right documentation for either waste management or you're, you're consistently delivering the wrong materials we need to work on this this is a risk to our project we have specific standards that we expect you to meet contractually and you're currently falling short of them and here's the evidence and that's that's the bit that our clients have sort of are finding most empowering and most valuable it's not just being able to go back to the supply chain and saying we've got a problem but we don't really know how to articulate it. Now they've got data to back that up and say, right, we've got a problem very specifically with you guys subsidizing in the wrong type of timber. And so they're able to you know, very clearly identify and articulate what, where they want to see improvements, and they can then track that moving forward and say, great, yep, we've seen you've improved on that. Big tick, happy days, we'll work with you again. Or continue to track that and say, look, guys, you're not improving on this. This is a constant risk for our project. I'm afraid we're going to take you off our approved supplier list. So that's a knock-on effect on the industry as a whole to see, hopefully, um, long-term quality and sustainability improvements across the entire industry. Does that answer your question, Greg?
0: <laughs> yeah, a- absolutely. You, you, you have kicked the skeptic out of me on, on this. <laughs> How about and- um, just from from a from a uh, maybe workflow point of view, I, I know also that um, a lot of people are sort of uh, dying under yet another tool, right? Do you sort of meet the teams where they currently are? I don't know, in their product management systems or their existing ERP systems, are you integrating or is this a, another tool that they have to use?
1: Yeah, 100%. So like, this was one of the biggest things that Jade and I were so conscious of when we started Qflow because we'd been on site and we'd been infuriated ourselves by having been given all these different tools and just being like, ah, oh, this is just becoming more of a problem. You've got so many things to manage and juggle. So what Qflow does, so the way that we capture that data is via a photograph on a phone of the delivery note as it comes onto the site. So we don't have, they don't have to use Qflow's app to do that. We have an app for people who don't already use like logistics tools or something like that. But we can also receive that information via an inbound API. So they can just push that from their own logistics system if they're taking that photograph. So we try and slot Qflow into their existing workflow. So that's for the data capture, the photo can be taken in in anything and at any time within their workflow as well. So we have some bigger sites who do it at the gate, and that's better for them because they've got dedicated logistics teams. For some of the really small sites, they don't have logistics teams at all. It's literally two site engineers on the project, and they will take those photos in the office at the end of the day. And it's just a much quicker process for them to just snap the 20 or so deliveries they had as an image. So yeah, we try and work really um, seamlessly within their workflow. Then with the use of the data, we have the Qflow portal, which is where you can log in and you can see that fully itemized list of everything that's come into your site. And you can review the notifications and the alerts. But we also are keen to push that data out into other systems. So we have a direct integration with Power BI. A lot of our clients are using Power BI to manipulate and, and report on that data. We're also in the process of integrating with other currently sustainability reporting tools. So there's lots of sort of KPI based reporting tools that exist in the market. And we're more than happy to push that data directly into those so that they can be reflected across an entire company's portfolio. Um, And a lot of these tools are sort of in-house systems. So again, we have an outbound API that allows that data to be accessed within their current reporting process to try and make that even more valuable, but also even lower friction for the industry.
0: Absolutely. Um, fantastic. So unfortunately, we are out of time. But I think in, in summary, from my side, why I'm so excited about Qualysflow is this is one of those tools where um, it's it's not just an ethical imperative, it's just good for business. Meaning, yes, you help the the customers here reduce their waste, reduce their CO2 impact. But at the end of the day, you're also allowing them to just be more nimble on the work site, to deliver projects faster, to pay, pay less to bad suppliers, to get better suppliers in there, right? Um, so this is one of those, those imperatives that is just good for business that also happens to be good for the planet. And I think those are the sorts of tools which ultimately um, the, the entire industry can get behind. So I'm sure a lot of folks are going to want to learn more about this. So uh, where can they find you?
1: Yeah, well, they can find us online by searching qualisflow.com. Um, I'm sure there'll be a link with the podcast. You can also reach out to me directly on LinkedIn. Um, my name is Brittany Harris, and you will very quickly find me on there.
0: Fantastic. No, thank you very much for taking the time today, Brittany.
1: Great. Cheers, Greg. Well, yeah, have a lovely rest of your day.
0: Thanks. You too. Thanks for listening to Fifth Wall's Tactical Toolbelt Climate Tech Podcast. For more on Fifth Wall and our efforts in climate tech, visit our website at fifthwall.com.